Three major events may have pushed America past the tipping point. The crisis at the southern border keeps getting worse. Plus, the residents of East Palestine, Ohio, continue to face harmful air and water conditions. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with America at the tipping point, or at least I hope it is. In recent months, Americans have learned of not one, not two, but three examples of collusion among the Democrats, media, and big tech to control the narrative, silence conservatives, and influence behavior and outcomes in our free country. First, we learned that, yes, indeed, the Hunter Biden laptop story was real legitimate news that big tech banned from its platforms under urging from the Democrats and in cooperation with legacy media outlets. Here's Saurabh Armari, who was an editor at the New York Post when the Post story was banned. It's like this complex of institutions that included Twitter and Facebook. Shouldn't forget Facebook's role. Yeah. It included the, the mainstream center-left media, NPR, Politico, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it also included a bunch of former um, deep state national security types who falsely characterized this as Russian disinformation. And they all sort of worked together um, to suppress this story and then, as you said, to legitimate the suppression afterward. Yeah. This was active suppression of a news story that was damaging to Joe Biden and all to influence and interfere with the 2020 presidential election. But of course, there was more, and I'm talking about COVID. We've learned in recent weeks, the notion that COVID is man-made and came from the Wuhan lab in China is almost certainly true. And yet, that narrative was actively suppressed, again, by big tech, the media, and the Democrats. The same guy who said this would be easy to do in a lab says, oh, now you're crazy if you think it came from a lab. The same guy that says, I don't know how this, that, that this would, uh, that this does, that looks engineered, he changes his story. And then the kicker is, Three months later, those same two doctors, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, get a several million dollar grant from Dr. Fauci to continue their research. So the, the fundamental question is, why was Dr. Fauci so consumed with making sure the narrative wasn't about the lab? I think it's because they were doing gain-of-function research there. He didn't want that out. And, and that was the narrative that everyone on the left bought into, even though the facts and common sense, maybe most importantly, pointed to the lab leak theory. Once again, there was a storyline that was suppressed by the media and all those on the left jumped on board to discredit anyone who mentioned the lab leak theory. And now we can add January 6th to that collection. Over and over and over again, the Democrats in the media portrayed January 6th as some massive uprising, an insurrection, an actual attempt to overthrow the government. But what we've seen from the Capitol video footage is a completely different story. And yet, the media are circling the wagons, and rather than demanding even more video, they are blasting Tucker Carlson for showing video that doesn't fit the leftist narrative. Tonight, Fox News Channel's most popular primetime host, Tucker Carlson, is facing widespread condemnation for his portrayal and selective editing of footage from the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell tonight denouncing the Fox News segment and agreeing with the U.S. Capitol Police Chief that Carlson's comments were offensive and misleading. What's amazing is that CBS News report talks about selective editing 
but the entire portrayal of that day by Nancy Pelosi's committee and the media is all about selective editing. And so the question is with these three different revelations, will they be enough for the American people to stand up and demand action? Will Republicans in Congress actually fight, not just for hearings, but for prosecutions? America is clearly at the tipping point. If we can't trust our institutions, if they actively work against the American people, then we are all lost. Now is the time to fight back before it really is too late. All right, next let's talk about America's southern border. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Friends, the crisis at our southern border is something that has never been seen in the history of our country. Millions of people have poured into the country illegally since Biden was sworn in. With them have come gangs, drugs, and human trafficking. In recent interview, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas was asked whether he would describe what's going on at the southern border as a crisis. The issues that we have are extraordinarily diverse. You know, I spoke about extreme weather events. I spoke about cybersecurity. You and I have now exchanged about the threat of adverse nation states uh, that seek to infringe on our and other countries' sovereignty. You know, 20 years ago when our department was created, it was the foreign terrorists. We now have the challenge of a domestic violent extremists. How pathetic. He didn't answer the question, but he did manage to throw in climate change and domestic violence extremists in there. And you know, he's not talking about Antifa. So typical. But when he actually did comment on the border, he said, well, it's happening everywhere. When we speak about the border, we have to put it in context that this is not a challenge, and it is indeed a challenge, not a challenge exclusive to the United States. You know, Chile uh, just deployed its military to its border. Colombia has 2.5 million Venezuelans within its borders. So it's a challenge to other countries too. Okay, who cares? What I wanna see is that the US is actually doing something about it. And right now we see that America is doing nothing about it. The border is wide open, but hey, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre just said that one deterrent is getting the illegal aliens to use the app. But that was a deterrence from coming to the border and a way for them to stay at home and, 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 and find a way and, and use the app to come to, into the U.S. And so that is a way, an incentive, uh, an option, a path, if you will, uh, for them to use uh, to, to, uh, to figure out how can, they, how can they do this in a legal pathway. That's just classic. The word is out that the border is open. So all these people, hundreds of thousands per month, are crossing over but Jean-Pierre thinks that when they realize they have to use an app, they'll just say, no one told me I needed to use an app. I guess I'll go home. That's the Biden team on the border. All right, next let's talk about the ongoing fallout of the massive train derailment and toxic disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Now, we've seen that after weeks of pressure, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg finally visited. And that trip was ridiculous. Joe Biden has yet to visit, but he does plan to go there at some point. What the president has been focused on is making sure that we make the community, the people in East Palestine <laughs> whole again, uh, to make sure that uh, they get what they need to feel safe, uh, to make sure that they feel like their community is healthy again. Okay, so do the residents of East Palestine, Ohio feel safe? 
And it's interesting that she said Biden is focused on making the community feel healthy again. What about the health of the actual people? Here's an update. There are very specific questions that need to be answered. News Nation met up with environmental scientist Andrew Walton and his team from Purdue University. But what we're finding right now is that the creek poses an acute health risk to the community. Creeks are uh, heavily contaminated with residue. Welton tells News Nation that it's possible the burn created additional compounds the EPA might not be testing for. So that's the water. You've seen those clips of rainbow films appearing on the creek surface when the water is disturbed. But remember, a few weeks ago, all is good. Go back home. So that's the water. But what about the air? Now, independent researchers from Texas A&M and Carnegie Mellon University releasing their new findings, an elevated level of a chemical of concern called acrolein. The report said in some areas, levels were three times higher than expected compared to a typical urban environment. Researchers add they are not yet sure what the health impacts of this may be. Raise your hand if you think the health impacts will be good. But that's what's going on in East Palestine and still no visit from Joe Biden. All right, next let's talk about the publication Politico and its woke language guidelines that were recently discovered. Turns out that in January of last year, Politico issued a style guide to its reporters, banning a whole host of words that don't pass muster with the woke radical left. Here's some examples. Of course, you can't say anything with the word man in it. So man-made, man-hunt, those are out. Crack the whip, can't say that. And anything referring to actual biological gender, that's out too. Peanut gallery is deemed offensive, and so is third world countries. In another section of the style guide, Politico tells reporters not to reference women at all regarding the abortion issue because non-female identifying people can get pregnant and thus also have abortions. And when referring to race, use lowercase w for white and a capital B for black. That's wokeness in today's America. All right, next let's talk about New York Mayor Eric Adams because the city is now facing the intersection of two left-wing policies and the solution to solve the problem just makes you shake your head. On one hand, crime is out of control. Residents live in fear and violence is on the rise. On the other hand, Adams is asking people to mask up, you know, despite the science saying it makes no difference, but he's doing it anyway. So now New York has a problem. You solve one problem and perhaps you create another one. Yes, we have been told to mask up, mask up, mask up. Now the mayor is modifying that a bit. He says drop the masks, at least initially when you walk into a business, as sort of a peace offering, as in literally, I come in peace. I'm not here to rob the place. I'm here to do business legitimately. Okay, let me get this straight. Back when we had lockdowns and masks, you could hardly go out to eat. The rule was that there was this crucial area, a crucial zone from right when you walked into a restaurant until you took your seat where COVID was just out of control. You could take your mask off later. COVID wouldn't get you when you sat down, but when you first walked in, boy, you needed that mask. Now, Adams is saying that when you first walk in, that's when you need to drop the mask. I guess for high crime areas, COVID is weaker when you first walk in, but then it gets stronger. Here's more. They say the policy will make it easier to identify criminals if they strike. We're talking about all those people that hoodie up, that cover their entire face so that the police department 
cannot identify them when they commit a crime. These criminals have gotten so comfortable, so comfortable, that they're doing it repeatedly. And things get out of hand. Hold on a second. I thought you couldn't say hoodie anymore, much less all hoodied up. But I digress. So this guy talks about criminals hiding their faces. And do they think this new policy will make criminals show their faces? Hey, I intend to rob you, maybe shoot you. But if your policy is for me to first drop my mask and show my face, well, you got it. Unreal, folks. How about they get rid of the masks and get tough on crime? I'm sure there are a ton of New York leftists whose heads will explode at the mere suggestion. But you know what? It just might work. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show, so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Friday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Everly. This is a 13-minute news hour.